Hello and welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone in the Art Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Ahoy hoy! And Daniel. Hey! Today we'll be discussing Season 5, Episode 13, which is titled Choosing Joy. The episode aired on February 4th, 1999. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? I almost said 24. Wow, jeez. At the 56th Annual Golden Globe Awards, ER goes 0 for 4, reminding all of us that those people clearly have no eye for great TV whatsoever. Seth MacFarlane's first original TV show, Family Guy, makes its debut over on Fox. The show is still running to this day, despite multiple cancellations, and as of recording, is on its 20th season, with 374 episodes aired and counting. Futurama is better. I, I actually remember watching this, though. I remember watching the debut episode of uh, Family Really? Guy. Yeah, that's awesome. It, de- it debuted uh, after the Super Bowl. Uh, oh, yeah, so. that's right. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are some Family Guy episodes that I think probably still hold up, but most of them I don't know if I would go rewatch. It's in that same tier of, like, uh, South Park for me, mm. where it's, like, it's too rooted in my, like, teenage cynicism mm-hmm. that I'm just, like, I'm, I think I'm going to leave that in yeah. the high school box where it belongs. That's fair. There were a couple of my high school friends where we were really into just sitting and sitting around and watching it, and you're right. I don't know if I'd want to go back and revisit that after all. Yeah. Telling you, man, Futurama's where it's at. Oh, yeah, Futurama holds Futurama up always. Futurama is evergreen. She's All That, the romantic comedy starring Jedi Knight Kanan Jarrus, a.k.a. Freddie Prince Jr., Lizzie, that fucked me up, <laughs> and Rachel Lee Cook debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office. Daniel would get it if he actually ever watched Rebels. Oh, but okay, what? So, it's, so it's an animated thing. Yeah. I had a yeah. brief I had a brief crisis where I was like, was Freddie Prince Jr. in a Star Wars movie? No, but like, he was How did best, I miss that? He was in the best Star Wars show, though. Baby, one more time, the debut single from Britney Spears, hashtag free Britney, takes the number one spot on the music charts. So it is 1999. Yes, it is. As for what else was on at 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with Joey's Bag. At 8.30 p.m., Jesse with the episode Hickory Dickory Death. That sounds like an ER title. (laughs) It really does. Like, it's very... Andrew Dice Clay guest starring on that episode? Who knows? Love to find out. At 9 p.m., Frasier with the episode The Show Where Woody Shows Up. I wonder if this is Woody Harrelson. I think so. Yeah, it's a che- I think it's a Cheers throwback. Cheers throwback, yeah. Uh, 9.30, Veronica's Closet with the episode Veronica's Wedding Bell Blues. This week's episode had 29.1 million viewers tuning in, dipping just ever so slightly below that 30 million threshold. We'll be right back over it next week. Uh, this week's episode is directed by Chris Chulock, doing his 17th out of 43. Previous ones of his from this season included The Good Fight and Day for Night. And this week's episode is written by Lydia Woodward, doing her 18th out of 27. Previous ones of hers were Good Luck Ruth Johnson and also Day for Night. And yet another No Genie episode this week. We are up to four on the No Genie counter this week. Four have out we? of 13. I was about to say, have we seen Doyle more than Genie? But I don't think quite. Yeah, not quite. But it's uh, it's really surprising to me how light. I mean, I know Genie is leaving us next season, so it makes sense that there's, you know winding down her storyline somewhat but to have her be such a constant presence for the last two seasons and be so kind of inconsistent Mm -hmm. here i know her story picks up in the second half of this season for sure but it's still strange to me that she's so just invisible because really i mean what has genie really done this season that is memorable not i can't think of anything she kind of flirted with the cop yeah, they're starting to, to dip their yeah, toe into the Reggie stuff, but like the the biggest thing she's the, the most significant thing she's done this season is jump on the trampoline with that kid, like <laughs> the world record kid. That's like been the Doyle only thing is, she's done. Like Doyle has had more of a character arc this season Barely. than yeah, Jeannie. Wild. We start the episode with Carol sleeping next to a wide awake Doug. The clock shows it is 4:23 a.m. I have to note this is excellent music here by friend of the show. Martin Davich, uh, we need this one on the reel when we eventually make our Patreon reel for Martin. It's it's never going to happen, but we keep talking about it. Maybe one day we'll finally do it. Um, Doug leaves to go wander the streets in conflict super early. And we also noted he gets on the Brown Line train headed north for Kimball. Yeah, so... Not towards the city. Come on, people. <laughs> Such uh, a small detail. You could have said Brown Line to the loop. And it would have totally made sense. Yep. I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Carol wakes up to find him gone. 
And I noticed this is a really weird thing where I would have thought their bedroom would have been upstairs, but their bedroom just opens up into their kitchen. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if that's a Midwest thing or a ranch. Thing. I don't know. Like, there's there are definitely houses that are laid out that way, though, where the master bedroom is on the first floor. I don't know. It just seemed weird because it didn't even look like there was almost a door. It was just yeah. like, oh, here's our kitchen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, very, very good. Um, very, very good opener so far. Carol's just kind of wandering around the house, chilly and alone. And then we go into Doug has gone into work early and heads into the dark peds room with a stack of charts. And it is an excellent opener with absolutely no speech done. Yeah, first time that they have ever done that, apparently, uh, in 100. This is episode 104. So apparently in 104 episodes, we've never had a completely silent opener like this. And I am a huge fan of it. I think it yeah, is. Yeah, that was awesome. It's mm-hmm. Yeah, it's perfect. The music is good. Clooney's, you know, kind of somber, you know, like like you said, like contemplative walk is great. Um, I, I just love so much about it. And uh, my only gripe with it, I guess, is that they make the ER look like it's closed. Right. Like when he comes I, in, like all the lights are off and like it's very dark and it's just like, oh, well, that's not really, you know. But, you know, it, it works for the kind of the, the mood they're trying to set here, which is punctuated ever so perfectly by the return of the Twinkles. Yeah. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> they are back, baby. And I think yeah. we get him again before the end of this arc. Uh, so I am just, mm, I was over the, like, I raised both arms <laughs> as I was watching this. Like, so excited. As we were watching this opener, I was like, there's no way they're going to go in with bangs for this. And I was not disappointed. Yeah, it would have been a complete tonal kind of mess if they tried to to steer out of that with It, the it would have been shitting the tone. Yeah. This is, I think this might be, my, this might be a contender for my favorite cold open of the show to date. Like that's up is, there, yeah. That's this that's is up an there. Excellent opener and sets a perfect uh, tone for the entire episode. I love it. Uh, after our Twinkle Fest, uh, let's go to our first audio clip of the episode. Carol comes in and asks Jerry if he's seen Doug. Hey Jerry, have you seen Doug? Yeah, he uh, dropped off some charts. Said he was going up top for coffee. Up top? As in, keep your coat on. Missed you this morning. I tried not to wake you. But you're at least one of us should get more than four hours of sleep. I love you. You know that? Yes, I do. Doug, what's going on? You all right? Well, I'm not thinking about jumping, if that's what you're afraid of. Well, that's good, because I'm attached here, so you'd have to take me with you. It's just all this just about helping a kid. Well, what? You and me getting into it. Hey, that's over and done. It's not over and done for Mark and Carrie. Now, you don't know that. They've both already said that they don't want to make a big deal out of this. They have to do something. Why? To prove that they never wanted a pediatric attending in the first place. Doug. Uh, That's not fair. No. (laughs) Hey. You put the patient first. And that's what we're supposed to do, isn't it? Huh? You're good to me, you know that? Yeah, I know that. Mm-hmm. You're good to me, Lauren, did you know that? Oh. Yeah, I know had that covered. I didn't have to say anything great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I love, I love the playful banter. I love that Carol's like, well, if you're going, you're going to have to jump pretty hard because I'm attached to you here, so... <laughs> Like, just, and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of nice, like, when you have, when you have that closeness with somebody where you know they've been going through a rough time and they can just straight up be like, I'm not great, but I'm not dire either. Like, stuff shitty, but I'm not about to bail. Yeah. It's an excellent, um, kind of marking point from where we start, you know, obviously we're wrapping everything up with Clooney here. So, like, it's an excellent marking point of where we started with these two way back in season one you know like they had that remember they had that first uh kind of passionate moment that we get to see as the audience you know obviously they have a lot of history between them before the show even starts but they have that first passionate kind of moment in the trauma room in one of the earliest episodes and we we talked about at the time kind of their like 
fiery chemistry and mm-hmm. like how it was so like kind of like just buzzy and here i mean you, you still have some of that here but it has evolved into this other thing that is so much more like comfort based and like these are two people who are just very very comfortable around one another and there's like a peacefulness around it even in this very chaotic situation and i just think it's a really cool thing that we've been able to see not only his character growth arc over the last five seasons but we've also been able to see them as a pairing have this incredible growth arc as well yeah it's just nice to see him not like like expecting consequences and being someone at peace with them it seems yeah like even if he doesn't like it he's still like no this is gonna happen okay yeah and also it's a different review than what we're used to i couldn't quite place it so i don't know if it's actually chicago or not but more claustrophobic uh view like it's very much much closer um buildings too than what we've seen before Mm -hmm. and it's if it is la it's very foggy like they they picked a good day to shoot that if they weren't going to do a location shot in chicago right uh, but we go out of that into uh, Corday talking to Carrie at, about uh, Romano's behavior over at Doc's. Uh, she is still kind of on her tip from last episode about not being sure that she considered what she's experienced sexual harassment, um, but does concede that no reason was ever given to her for terminating her fellowship when Carrie makes that connection. Uh, she tells Carrie about the lunch where Romano asked her out weeks before her fellowship was terminated. So she's starting to kind of a little bit put the pieces together. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and then, of course, just as we're making some headway with this, Romano shows up uh, with his giant breakfast uh, and tries to nudge in on their little meeting here. And they both just promptly bail, which is also what I would do in that situation. Fuck that. Yeah. Um, then we go back to the ER. Uh, Malik is wheeling in an elderly woman with shortness of breath into one of the treatment rooms and get our comedy storyline of the episode. <laughs> our cutest comedy storyline ever. Um, Carol goes to take her coat out and a dog falls out of the jacket. I wish that happened to me. I know, right? <laughs> Just be like, oh, can I take your coat? Oh, there's, oh, darn. There's, there's dog. my dog. There's a dog. <laughs> there's uh carol asks malik to take care of the dog while carol examines her and the woman is a smoker uh she does it to break up the boredom while she's driving on the road and she doesn't have money for x-rays she also, seems to be a bit of a nomad i don't know exactly what right do, do they ever kind of clarify no. exactly what her no, deal not is? really at first i thought they were gonna she was gonna end up being like a truck driver that's or something. what i thought but i think i think she might just be retired and living a nomadic lifestyle with her uh, extra driver mates, which we'll get into. Also, the dog's mm. name is Sparky. Sparky. Uh, and our patient here, Alice, is played by actress Barbara Tarbuck, who appeared in stuff like the movie Walking Tall, a recurring role on American Horror Story Asylum, as well as the uh, TV series General Hospital. She had 104 credits to her name and unfortunately passed away in 2016. We've just had bad luck with guest stars lately. Yeah, this is season five has been a little bit of a bloodbath when it comes to uh, Oh Hey, It's That Guys. Thankfully, not the other, the biggest guest star this episode. True. Yes. True. Um, then Anspa comes down because the medical review team sent charts down for sign off by the interim chief. Anspa is not having this. He is so sick of all this administrative <laughs> duty on top of his other job. Ugh, and the desk staff and Carol included are just kind of laughing at his struggles and his pain. Um, first trauma comes in. Richard Tuggle, 35 years old. He's been suffering from 20 minutes of chest pain, which, damn, that's getting him into the ER fast. If if his chest pain started 20 minutes ago, they made the call, and then, like, that's some pretty impressive uh, transit time, depending on where he was. A janitor is cleaning up in Trauma 1, but I want to note whose films are those. Look, they had to rush to Trauma in. <laughs> this guy, the, the this recognizable janitor did not Yes, we'll get, get into the janitor shortly. turn the room fully. They need to turn the room because they could mix up um, films and it could lead to misdiagnoses or mistreatment. They need to turn these rooms. Um, Mark interrupts Carrie, who is running the trauma, saying that Doug is in the lounge for them to speak to. And our patient here, Richard Tuggle, uh, is played by uh, Roger Eschbacher, 
uh, whose most kind of notable credit was he, he didn't have much of an acting career, but he was a writer on several Nickelodeon shows of the 90s, including Rocket Power, Ah Real Monsters and Angry Beavers. I have had the Angry Beavers song stuck in my head for the past week or so since Lizzie put it as a title on um, <laughs> on one of the videos for the Wednesday show. It's just, it, it will not leave my head. It's a good one. Our Real Monsters it, and Angry Beavers were two of my favorites uh, in the 90s. Rocket Power was a little bit past my, like, I think Rocket Power might have been one of the first shows that I saw starting and was like, I think I'm too old for this. Like, I, wiggity, think, wiggity, wiggity. I think I've aged out of uh, the Nickelodeon age, but Our Real Monsters and Angry Beavers are right in my wheelhouse. Angry Beavers was by far one of my favorite Nickelodeon shows. It's one of the ones that's held up the best, for sure. Um, but we go from there to uh, kind of a little bit of a dead end. Well, more than a little bit. It's a pretty dead end storyline. They have really written Carter pretty light the last two episodes. Uh, remember, he disappeared kind of early on in last episode. And then this one, he kind of uh, doesn't get a ton to do either. But he is uh, laying down, letting his second year med students who were meeting for the first time listen to his heart and lungs. Uh, when Anspa walks in and is very bemused by the whole situation, uh, but asks where Lucy is, apparently unaware that she's on her surgical rotation. Uh, and our three medical students here who were meeting for the first time, Dudzik, Hiltzik, and Strauss, which has to be some kind of an inside joke that I don't understand. Like, these are such... Sounds like a German law firm. Right? Like, there has to have been some kind of joke with this that I just d went right over my head. Um... Of the three of them, Hiltzik and Strauss are the two to really pay attention to uh, for different reasons. Strauss for narrative reasons and Hiltzik for the actor playing him. Uh, the actor playing Hiltzik is Dale Goldboldo. Goldbaldo? Yeah. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Um, he has been in uh, several of the American Crime Story uh, series. He was in the OJ series where he played a uh, part of Johnny Cochran's uh, staff. Mm. Uh, and he, apparently he's also in the impeachment uh, miniseries, which is airing now, um, which I'm in, pretty interested to check out. Most the, all of the American Crime Story stuff has been really good. So I need to finally watch those because, like, I mean, I'm trash and I love American Horror Story enough. I'm sure American Crime Story would be right up my alley. Um, I the thing that has me most excited about um, the impeachment one is that they actually had Monica Lewinsky consulting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's very involved with the, the production of that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to check that one out as well. Um, he was also in Thor, and he was uh, a member of the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, along with uh, Justin Timberlake and uh, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. That whole, hmm. the little uh, 90, I think Ryan Gosling was also in that mm -hmm. as well. Uh, and then Strauss here, our other med student, um, for narrative reasons, um, he will be important this episode, or semi-important. Uh, he's played by actor David Hornsby, who appeared in the TV series It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Mythic Quest, and Good Girls. Uh, so let's get some of those consequences that we mentioned earlier from uh, for Doug. So let's go to Mark, Doug, and Carrie in the lounge. Sure you don't want a cup of coffee? No, I'm not having any trouble staying awake. Okay. So what's a verdict? No big verdict. We agreed that we're going to keep this quiet so that we don't jeopardize hospital funding. But Mark and I want some assurance this won't happen again. So anytime you want to prescribe Schedule II narcotics, morphine, demerol, dilatid, fentanyl, methadone, we want to co-sign the order. That's it. That's it. Okay. Well, if it'll settle things down, I'll agree to do it. And whether you believe me or not, I don't have some compulsion for breaking the rules. Sometimes I get in the way of helping a patient, but if you'd seen how much pain this kid was in, I think you would have done the same thing. Doug, we have seen that kind of pain. Mm. Mark pulling no punches, but Doug really not trying to like push back against that either. Like yeah. like yeah. like Lizzie said, I think a, a different version of Doug earlier in in his arc, I think would have gotten more indignant about that. Like mm -hmm. I think he really has reached this sort of almost Zen point where it's like he understands their position and he understands where they have to be coming from in this from that angle. 
but yet at the same time he's confident and at peace with his own decision making and is just like yeah i did what i did i understand why you have to do what you have to do and that's okay but i'm also not going to change my opinion on it either and it's just a really like i don't know i just god damn it i love this story so much like i love I, I somebody says it when we get to the the listener responses at the end like this is for my money the best character exit of any character on the show bar none i think they just do it so incredibly well um jerry then directs doug to curtain three with carol because ricky and joy are in there mm-hmm. um joy is explaining ricky's worsening condition increased seizures and pain and Dr. Julian up in genetics wants to admit him, but her eldest son was in the ICU for his last week or two, and she said it was no way for for it to be, and she does not want to put Ricky through that for his last few weeks, assuming this is close to the end. Um, Doug discusses the option of PCA, patient-controlled analgesics, using either Dilaudid or fentanyl, and he's going to go up and see Dr. Julian about this plan. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, for now, let's go up to the surgical floor where Lucy is scrubbing in with Benton and Corday. If the survival rate is the same, then why not do the lumpectomy and save the breast? Well, because with a modified radical mastectomy, you can save the patient. Although a lumpectomy can get around the tumor. And then you do radiation therapy, Yeah, right? and there can be severe side effects. Yeah, well, there can be with, um, with removing a breast. Hey, look, I'm not discounting the psychological impact here. Actually, I think you are, just a bit. You'll discover most male surgeons find it relatively easy to just lock off a breast. Elizabeth, come on, that's cliche, don't you think? Yeah, because it's true. It's a really personal decision this woman has to make. She's going to worry about her sexuality, her self-image. Listen, a patient comes in here with cancer, I say we cut it out. See, even there, you think of her in terms of being a patient, not in terms of her being a woman. You know what? (laughs) Okay, it's, it's, it's not that complicated. Now, you don't want it to be that complicated. Just cut to the chase, so to speak. Well, isn't this a scrub fest? Hey, Peter, you mind if I borrow your intern? I got stuck doing an appy. No, no, no. I've only got a biopsy. Lucy, you're with me. Thanks, appreciate it. You really need my assistance on an appendectomy? Of course not, but I'd love the company. So, how was breakfast? It was coffee, actually. Mm. Women never seem to eat breakfast anymore, do they? Now it's just coffee or sometimes maybe a muffin. Why is that? Are they worried about their weight or are they worried that they'll get a reputation for eating like a horse? Or... I really couldn't say. Can you say what people are talking about with Carrie Weaver over their coffee? You can stop playing games, Robert. I know what's going on. I know someone's accused you. Hmm. Falsely. But if someone like Carrie Weaver starts rooting around and decides she's determined to dig up something, you know, well, that's how people get hurt. That's true. I mean, for instance, uh, what if uh, it came out that uh, you were sleeping with Peter Benton while you were his intern and he was your supervisor in a position to evaluate you, which I'm sure you're aware is a very big (laughs) no-no. Come on. Peter and I were together before I was his intern. And you made Anspaugh aware of that, right? Because that's grounds for dismissal. I mean, not for you, of course, but for Peter, Dr. Benton, which would be a real shame, considering how much work he's put into uh, getting where he is. You wouldn't dare. (laughs) I wouldn't like myself very much if I did that, would I? Anyway, it's not really in my hands, is it? Okay, first off, before we talk about the second half of that, which, holy fucking shit, first off, um, Lizzie's clapback about the whole lumpectomy versus mastectomy thing when she goes, well, you just don't, you just don't want it to be complicated. You just mm-hmm. want to cut to the chase, where it's, it reminds me of so many things that deserve nuanced conversation in our society, where the people who, in this case, Peter having male privilege for this situation. The people of privilege want to say, no, it's not really that big a deal. You're just making a fuss out of it. And the people who are actually affected or in affected groups are like, no, you really actually should listen. Right. And once again, both of them treating Lucy like an adult. Yep. Yeah, it has been such a breath of fresh air getting Lucy away from Carter for a couple episodes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, holy shit. Which sucks because I know what happens next episode and it makes me mad. But it's like, mm, 
why like this has been so nice it has been so good to get her out from under carter's shadow for a couple episodes just to let it breathe let let us develop a little bit more of a connection and see her as something other than a fuck up it's it's been so nice yeah but do we think obvi- i'm pretty sure that this is romano as worse so far for sure uh, it's up there yeah is it as as worst ever do we think I know it's a pretty, there's a lot to choose from. Yeah, Yeah, this is his worst. This is his worst because he's actively trying to undermine an investigation. This is his worst. This this is like one of those industrial films about uh, like workplace power imbalances. (laughs) Like (laughs) this should be in black and white and like it should be like one of those things that just plays at the beginning of a Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode. Like this is a workplace safety video of like, don't do this. Don't let this. This is why you don't sleep with your supervisors. (laughs) This is, this is why you don't let people who are the subject of investigations become in charge of said investigations, which is basically what happens by the end of this episode. And yeah, holy fuck. This is, is I investigated myself and I have done nothing wrong. (laughs) Great. What could go wrong? Oh God. But he is, he is the perfect villain here. Yes. He plays it. Chef's yeah. kiss. Yeah. His oh, yeah. cadence, his tone, his just everything in the performance just uh <sighs> fucking Romano. Uh so we go from <laughs> there. Uh we find out Alice's films are back, uh, but she wants to leave. Uh and the twinkles are not the only thing that made a return this episode. Lauren. <laughs> Radiologist Steve is back. Hooray. X-ray Steve. Uh back from the brink. The first time we have seen Steve since a shift in the night, all the way back in season two. It has Feels been like a, just yesterday. It has been a full three seasons since I we've missed seen him. him. And it, and this is not the last time either. He will appear a few more times. We will see him, I think into 2001 or two so we're talking season seven or eight it was good to have him back for a little bit it was a nice friendly face yeah it was um there's no evidence of pneumonia uh and he thinks that she likely has the flu irritated by her smoking uh but carol's not convinced she wants a pulmonary embolism scan uh to which steve replies i cannot authorize an 800 test just based on your intuition uh the patient has a cost and no insurance i might add uh, which Carol offers to pay for it, taking a page out of the Doug Ross White Knight playbook. Uh, so we will circle back and see what, what happens with that. Uh, when you say, like, your money is my command or something. Yeah, your, yeah. Well, your checkbook is my command. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and Jerry tells Carol that they have a couple of more hackers, uh, and we learn that Alice has left. Darn. Uh, hey, speaking of Doyle from earlier... <laughs> Um, Doyle is working with uh, Richard Tuggle. Does, did, did we get the chest pain gentleman? The chest pain gentleman. No. Oh, okay. Um, he's stable, but his cholesterol is four sixty five. Lauren, is that bad? That's bad. That's the kind of numbers that they called me for and told me they had to put me on a statin right away. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's bad. That's real bad. Um, Gen- generally, anything above two hundred is. No, yeah, not great. So okay. four sixty five is real bad. Listeners, for the record, my cholesterol was not in the four hundreds, but I did get this kind of warning call from my doctor saying e- your family genetics suck. We need to put you on. Yeah. Speaking of which, they're trying to find out, like, oh, do you have a family history of of anything like this with high cholesterol and and such and such things? And it turns out this guy's adopted, so he can't exactly check on his family medical history, which seems to strike a chord with Carrie. And also, this goes nowhere. Yeah, it totally goes nowhere, cause, but Carrie wants to admit him and get him a full workup. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, it, Carrie, it just Carrie serves takes a her pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carrie's like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carol runs out to Alice, who is getting, who is going to get into her van, tells her that she really needs to stay for her uh, pulmonary embolism test, and uh, Alice says, I can't leave the pups out in the cold, and Carol's like, no, we'll take care of Sparky. And then as she says that, uh, Alice opens the car and it is a car full of doggos. It is the best van to ever be a part of. <laughs> it's a full of friends. They're all so cute. And Carol's just like, oh, oh my. Okay. And I love how Alice is like, I didn't mean to have all of them. I just, they just kind of showed up and I couldn't not rescue them. It's very sweet. Um, so we'll Can I fu- be a crazy dog lady instead of a crazy cat lady? We have to start with one first. Okay. You know that, right? You can't just magically jump to 10. I'm just saying like when we get... 
old when we get older when we have our magical house out in the middle of nowhere in michigan and a giant field for the dogs to yes. play in and all yes. of our friends on the commune and all of our friends on the commune when stt studios uh <laughs> Dowagiac, jesus christ we can have you just want that amtrak access still. i sure do um so we'll find out what happens with the dogs in a little bit um, Doug is now talking to Dr. Julian about Ricky and he tries to pull the, Hey, we were in residency together card. Can't you do me a favor? Calls him Jules. And Julian is not comfortable with the PCA option because it's not how the genetics team normally handles these kind of end of life cases. Typically they want to admit these kids. They don't want them or not. They don't want them to have PCA, but it's just not how their team does it. And he's like, you could talk to oncology. They might be more familiar with it. It's like, why would oncology help with your genetics patient? I like how this guy, too, is like, he's like, I hated my residency. Yeah. Like, he tries to he tries to pull that card of like, hey, remember when and everything? And he's like, that was I was miserable. I hated that. Um, and uh, Dr. Julian here, which this is our, his one and only appearance. We will never see Dr. Julian again. But he is played by actor Tom Gallup, who appeared in The Bourne's Ultimatum and Supremacy, as well as a uh, semi-recurring role on Will and Grace. Hmm. And uh, and going back down to Carter and his nowhere storylines, uh, he's working with his med students on examining lymph nodes. You know, it's an important skill to develop. And one of the guys has an enlarged node. Oh, oh dear. And Carter suggests they get a biopsy on it. Rut row. Um, and it is Strauss, I believe. Yes, it is. Strauss is the uh, affected med student. Uh, so then we go from there uh, to a storyline that both Lizzie and I were convinced had no place in season five. We thought for this, sure this was a season sixer. No, I kind of sworn it was a season seven. But season seven, it definitely, yeah. definitely didn't make sense to either one of us for it to be appearing here in season like five. It starts while and, Clooney is still here. And as always, I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> So Mark offers to take a look at the janitor's back, who if you blink, you missed him earlier in the uh, when they were mm -hmm. bringing in Mr. Tuggle. Uh, he was definitely there, but I didn't bother noting him there because we literally see him for half of a second. Um, but uh, he, we actually get to see him here and, and learn his name. Uh, he's been walking around wincing ever since uh, the events of earlier. Uh, character's name is Mobilaje, uh, played by actor Jaiman Hansu. Uh, who appeared in stuff like Blood Diamond, Guardians of the Galaxy, and In America, and he's making his first of six appearances here. Never, never in a million years would have picked out season five as the starting point for this. Like, just I just want every time me I, neither. Every, every time I see remember him, I just want to go who? <laughs> it took me longer than I care to admit to make that connection that that that's who he yep. was. Like even even when I like even when we had those full face shots, I still was like, I know this. Who is this man? Yeah, I know this man. Star Lord, finally, <laughs> just wild. Um, but he, he thinks it might be slipped. He might have a slipped disc. Uh, he's clearly uncomfortable with all the medical equipment. The, uh, the sound design in this uh. sequence here, very upsetting, but also incredibly good. Like the way that they turn up the volume on just about every, like they, they basically, um, drown out all of the other noise and just isolate all of the sounds in it, like individual mm -hmm. sounds. So like. It's it's feet shuffling and instruments clanging together. It's an excellent audio illustration of what a panic attack feels like. Yeah, yes. that hypersensitivity. This, this was an excellent representation of yeah all the hype, like all of a sudden the oncoming storm of emotions. Yeah, it, it's an incredible example too of how you can use sound mm -hmm. as a like a horror device. Like yeah. you can use sound. And it doesn't even have to be like, you know, air quotes, spoopy sounds. Like it can just be regular everyday sounds. The curtain. The curtain. Yeah. The curtain being drawn. Ugh. Like they managed to make those sounds so uncomfortable and so uh, just like visceral. They, they attack your senses. And it's it's so good here. Um, and I also do like they, they do weird stuff with the voice, too. Like mm -hmm. they, with his voice and Mark's voice, they give this weird echo effect. And it's very, um, sounds like, like he's displaced. Like, yeah. Oh, so, so good. I love it so much. Um, but we find out that he's been working there several months. 
just as Mark is getting ready to start the exam, he goes into a flashback and yells at the top of his lungs for Mark to stop ripping the curtain down on the exam area in the process. Just has this like full scale meltdown and then storms out of the ER. Ugh, poor baby. Just, we call that oof. we call that some PTSD here, folks. Yeah, this is this is an excellent storyline, and and like I said, I would, the only the only my only like gripe about it was just that I couldn't believe we were already here. Like I thought this was something that was coming a little bit later on down the road, but uh, as my memories of this is that it's a very good storyline, and I'm very excited is, to dig yeah. into it. Uh, and then for a full pivot, we go to Malik and Carol smuggling all the dogs into <laughs> Alice's uh, treatment room and then smuggling them cheeseburgers for snacks, to which Alice remarks that those are their favorite. Specifically, I think they're White Castle. Yes, I think they, they are, are yes. and it made me really want White Castle. I know, right? Oh, soon. It's my favorite trash that we never get. We, we live right next to the bus that can take us to... <laughs> we can also get White Castle delivered. Ew, No. <laughs> those things won't travel well no. they'll steam and get all mushy yeah. and... I, I'm a garbage disposal just put it in my face I don't care <laughs> the, um, uh, I'm a white I'm a white castle connoisseur thank you very much no, I'm really not <laughs> the, this uh, had for me like I, I was really I, I enjoy this the, it might seem a little out of place for this episode but it, it really does work um, yeah. And it, it, it gave me very much flashbacks and, and flavors of um, some of the like season one hijinks type stuff that they would do, like when they stole back the crash carts yes. and things like that. Like it had some of that same kind of uh, feeling it's, to it. It's definitely some well paced, well paced and well placed levity. Yeah, for sure. Um, but then Doug is talking to Carol about the PCA and the genetics team not coming through on it. Carol says that she can see about getting it through the clinic and some of the um, home care networks that she works with. It begins. I mean, it's already begun. I was going to say times, it's been beginning like eight times in a yeah. row. But the plot is thickening. There you go. There we go. Uh, Mark asks Jerry if he knows anything about Mobilage. Uh, and. Rachel needs glasses. All I could think of is Lisa needs braces. Dental plan. <laughs> does this uh, does this carry over? I don't remember Rachel having glasses. No, no, I don't. Yeah, no, nope. don't think it does. I just kind of assume she wore contacts. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I don't know because we don't really see her too much until she's suddenly a different actress, <laughs> right? Um, and Rachel and Mark both need glasses. And both needed glasses at nine. And Kara needed them when she was eight. I think I needed them when I was. Six. I was. I, I was in kindergarten. I was. I yeah, was kindergarten. Six. I was six. Yeah, because yeah. that's when they start to. That's when your lack of vision becomes way more apparent when you start reading and stuff, mm-hmm. and you can't make letters out. Yep. Or you start getting more headaches because you're trying to read far away in a classroom setting. My mom just thought it was weird that I was sitting so close to the TV to be able to watch Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> also, a noble way to find out. Uh, Malik calls from the curtain room and asks Jerry for help <laughs> with all the puppers. Love it. Oh, the good storyline just became great. When you great. get Jerry involved in a in a storyline involving animals, you know it's going to be good. My favorite is when Jerry picks up the phone and is like, yeah, and then he's like looking over to the to the curtain, the room that Malik is in, and you just see Malik peeking through the blinds. Mm. It's made that much more better for me. Uh, spoilers for the interview that may or may not be out by now depending on where we're at in in the month uh <sighs> where jerry is a ben ruby talked about what good friends him and deezer d were yeah that set. every time now that we see them goofing off together in an episode i just think of that and my heart breaks and warms a little at the same time yeah Part- particularly in something like this where they get to do stuff that seems like it would be fun just hanging yeah. hanging out with dogs all day yeah um we go from there. We find Carol finds an agency that works with uh, PCA that Joy's insurance will cover. Uh, he is uh, scheduled for only one booster dose within a two-hour period, and there is a lockout to ensure no additional medicine is given. That I'm sure will not be an important detail at all whatsoever. Not the slightest. They certainly have never just dropped a breadcrumb like that, only for it to never mean anything. Uh, we then go from there to wait, wait, hold on. Chekhov's booster shot. <laughs> Chekhov's booster shot. Yes. Uh, so we then go there to Carrie at the Roach Coach, uh, where Corday runs out to meet her and complains about the snow. Uh, says that she has decided to recant her testimony that she shared at breakfast that morning and will not be testifying uh, at whatever hearing there would be about Romano's situation. Uh, 
this of course perplexes Carrie and she asks if something happened. Uh, Elizabeth does not do a very good job of covering that nope. something has happened. It, like she's not very good at, at being casual about this. Uh, and then we get the beautiful visual gag in the background of, of Jerry and Malik out walking like 50 dogs. <laughs> and Carrie just going, just the small right? wave. Carrie's little like confused wave is just, She's more thinking like I've seen a weirder. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like like I think it's the the, the one two punch of like having this Corday revelation and then also seeing this weird shit. It's like she's just she's having a little whiplash and she's just having a hard time dealing with it. Uh, uh, we go from there. Another a little bit of a tonal shift going to Carter doing the uh, biopsy with Mark on his med student uh, Strauss. Uh, just again, this is kind of a strange use of Carter. Like I'm not quite sure. I, I think they've just that these this run of episodes here focuses so heavily on Doug and Lucy's off in the surgical rotation that I don't think they really know what to do with Carter in mm-hmm. these few episodes and it really shows here it almost I almost would rather he just not be there like I would almost rather he just you know be like Jeannie yeah be like Jeannie and it's just like yeah he was working night shift for a few weeks and you know they didn't bring him back because this just is a very kind of a strange nothing plot line for him to be a part of and it turns out Alice has blood clots after all, and Carol says she needs to be admitted so she can be properly anticoagulated. And Jerry bursts in and knocks something over, which spooks the dogs, and they all escape into the hall. Uh... A parade of fun. Um, as the dogs are running rampant in the halls, and Mark looks at them perplexed, Doug approaches Mark to co-sign the Dilaudid prescription for the PCA, and Mark says that genetics has to go sign off on it because... Uh, the kid is not in their service so he needs to go get genetics to do it and doug was like oh yeah i should have thought of that you're right okay and then carol immediately comes over to talk to doug and sees him signing the prescription like likely forging that additional signature uh hmm not great uh cherry then we then we uh see jerry chasing after a dog and as he goes off camera we hear a, him crash into something just excellent work we see jerry in a full tilt sprint down the hallway yep. and it's my favorite <laughs> yep run uh, jerry run yep then mark approaches mobilage uh mark reassures him tells him no one will take his job for what happened that like it's okay it's not a problem um, and gets him to agree to an exam while using his best calm and reassuring voice. I want I want this version of Mark to just talk to me about all my problems, and I'll think they're all they'll all be okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and let's uh, go over to some audio of Carrie going after Romano. Carrie, Robert, uh, may I sit down? Certainly, I'd offer you something to drink, but we uh, don't have anything. The coffee machine. Did you speak with Elizabeth Corday today? She assisted me on an appy. Is that when you spoke to her about Maggie Doyle's sexual harassment inquiry? Why would I do that? Maybe to stop it from going forward. I am eager for it to go ahead. I'm looking forward to being vindicated. Oh, well then you're going to be disappointed because the investigation's been closed. Really? Hmm. Well, I guess we'll all have to go back to our humdrum lives then, won't we? Of course, all the testimony has been typed up. I've got it in a file. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that really sticks out is, is that bad evaluation you gave Dr. Doyle. She's received such positive remarks on her other rotations. Hmm. So you're thinking that perhaps I was a little bit hasty and that if I um, spend a little more time on it... Yes, I'm thinking that if you took that time right now, you might write something very different. Uh-huh. Which you'd certainly be interested in reading. Oh, absolutely. I imagine I'd want to put it in that file. Uh, that might be best, Carrie. Mm, fierce Mama Carrie. That's... I love this version of Carrie. Mm. Like, worst Romano and best Carrie in the same episode. Like, immovable object meets unstoppable force. Like, here for it. Like, that's cold calculating Carrie at her best. I am such a sucker for a good scene like that in any piece of media where like the bad guy gets boxed into a corner and has to do the thing he doesn't want to do i i also love how she's like um she's like robert hi yep i'm just gonna sit down nope not gonna give you time to talk let's see what's going on such good shit hey how are you by the way you're a scumbag yep (laughs) 
How I greet you every morning. Yeah, exactly. I love you, dear. You love you, too. Wow. <laughs> I love you, too. What happens next? Douche nozzle. Uh, what? what happens next is... <laughs> What happens next is we're going to go to our, another audio clip. Uh, Mark is examining Mobilage. So, Mobilage, where are you from? Nigeria. Ah. That's a ways away from here. How do you like Chicago? Okay. My wife does not like the cold. She works here in your cafeteria. Oh. Well, that must be nice. Both of you watch my finger. Get to come to the same place for work. Mm -hmm. Okay. I need to uh, pull the gown down now. All right. The uh, burns seem to be well healed. Yes, they're not a problem. Had him for a while. You want to tell me how it happened? No. I need to examine below the waist now. I understand. It's worth noting Mobilage has like just a ton of burns all over his body. Like little like Almost, they almost look like lips. Mm. Like they're they're line they're lines of burn blisters from yeah. um, like I'm gonna guess that it's something similar to somebody taking a hot poker, but instead of jabbing, laying it Ugh. against yeah. the skin. Dude's been tortured. Yes, is the big summation of this scene. Yes. Sorry for that awful visual, everybody. Yeah, he. But I think Mark and Mark and him have a great chemistry yes. yes oh yeah and he plays that tortured role just so well like he has that just that you know we saw the rage aspect of it earlier and now we're getting to see the like withdrawn, the withdrawn. yeah and it's whew. damn damn it's good uh but we go from there back out to the admin desk where jerry notes randy is in early uh she responds i have no life <laughs> <laughs> as someone who is chronically early to work uh i get it i get that yeah same i get that feel uh like bro i just want to have my breakfast before right before yeah. i settle in like yeah i like being the like I, I a little part of me dies every time i show up to work and somebody has beaten me there and the lights are already on like i like <laughs> being the one to show up and turn on the lights and unlock the door and do all that stuff like i don't know that's how it was it that's how it was at my first big job because we were such a small office i was usually one of the first people in to turn everything on yeah and it was always so weird when i'd get there after someone else mm -hmm. yeah same I'm, my office is four people and i would say 99 percent of the time i'm the first one there and like lizzie said it's it's a nice opportunity to like phones aren't on yet you know you get to enjoy your your coffee or your breakfast or whatever you're doing and just I mean, that's that's why I clock in so early, even working remotely, is because it's less likely that other people are going to be on, and I'm going to be able to just start right. my morning slow and get organized. Yeah, it's just, it's nice. It's peaceful. Um, we also find out Carrie has someone meeting her at Doc's at 8 p.m. Hmm. Ooh. Intrigue. Betty won't have a stupid ponytail. Ooh, maybe he will. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Paul Heyman ponytail? <laughs> yes! Thank you, Lauren! That's exactly what it is. Holy shit. Um, we also find out Carter got the biopsy results back on his student and from the look on everyone's face, it does not sound like it's good news. So we will circle back to that momentarily. Uh, and Carrie snags Doyle, uh, and takes her to the lounge. We will Which also find we out We don't more. see. Uh, but, but we get the gist. I mean, I, I, again, this is like a double-edged sword kind of thing because like, I get it from a narrative perspective and from a time management perspective. We probably don't need no. to see that conversation to know what happens. No, but but what I'm saying is it's really disorienting to say, okay, we're going to go into the lounge, and then the next thing you see in the lounge is not that. That's what yeah. I meant. Is th that's just what's weird. Yeah. But, uh, it, but, we'll but get on there. the other side of my uh, point is that I'm I, going back to what we said, I think, last episode or maybe two episodes ago now um, – I don't like that Doyle has been relegated to third place. And now, now with the inclusion of Carrie, she's been relegated to fourth place in her own storyline. And mm -hmm. that kind of sucks, but we, we will get resolution on this here in just a moment. 
Uh, but let's get some resolution on the totally pointless uh, Carter storyline for this episode. Uh, it tells the student it's Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, the student says his classmates can stay while they while he figures out what the fuck it is. Uh, but the prognosis is very positive. They caught it very early. Uh, and then kids, obviously, the kid asks for a minute alone because yeah, it's scary getting told, "Hey, you have cancer." Even if it, even if they followed up with, "By the way, you're pretty much gonna survive." Treatable cancer but, is still cancer. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. Still a pain in the ass. Yeah, my mom was still terrified when they told her she had breast cancer. Yeah. But even though it was very easy to cure. Yeah. In her case, yeah. so. And this is it for all of this. Like, this is yeah. all three of these students will uh, disappear into the fog and never be seen again. And Carter has now spent two episodes in a row with pretty much nothing of substance to do. It's very strange. Yep. Uh, but then we go over to Carol in the lounge with several nurses and staff, each taking a dog or two home tonight so they can go to their rescues tomorrow that she has lined up for them. Jerry says he can't take any dogs because he has cats, which Connie thinks is weird. <laughs> And Jerry's like, what? Cats are awesome. It's yeah, Jerry's great. totally a cat guy. I, love I totally it. believe that. I'm so here for it. I just it. like that we have but that then, in canon now. Like, that's, yeah. Jerry is a cat dad. Can you just imagine uh, Jerry with Bims? Oh, it would be wonderful. Um, but yeah, so then it's really sweet. Connie's like, oh, well, I'll take a couple of his. You know, I love dogs, whatever. And Lydia's like, I just want the big dogs because Al can't stand yappy little dogs. And. They all start negotiating over which dogs they want, but Malik says he gets Sparky because Sparky's his man. I just hope none of the uh, dogs shit on Connie's floor. Uh, <laughs> a joke for three people who are on this recording. Yeah. Um, and then Joy is on the phone for Carol, clearly distressed. Daniel, you're killing me. Um, we don't hear what she's saying, but she's clearly upset about something based off how Carol's reacting. Uh, we go back to Mark tells Mobilage that no root cause is known for his impotence, which is why he wanted the exam in the first place. But maybe, and I love how Mark handles this. He says, maybe if your pelvis happened to have been broken during a traumatic event, uh, pel- blood vessels could have been broken and um, been compressed. So, And he says, maybe go speak to a urologist about the issue. He may be able to fix it. Yeah. But just very, very gently handling, like, if something like this were to have happened, this might be why. Can you imagine Carter trying to deliver nope. this kind of news? Not at all. Just aw- awkwardly fumbling I... and like, mm, yeah, no, 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 no. You want to maybe talk to a urologist? I don't know. It just, it's, yeah. I could see Mark. I can see Carrie. I could probably see someone. Carol. Like, or like Benton, too. Yeah. Doing, doing this nice and gently, but... Because now that Benton's actually, you know, not a ro- surgical robot and an actual human. <laughs> but yeah, love Mark. Love, love all this. Uh, don't love Doyle uh, looking for Dr. Romano running into Corday and then yelling at her about withdrawing the complaint. I mean, at least she finally gets I mean, her moment, though. Yeah. I mean, I understand why she's angry, but eh, maybe not the best way to go about no, it. No, but yeah, like you said, I understand the anger and I think... I think not only uh, Maggie Doyle, the character, but, you know, us as the audience and Georgia Fox, the actress, probably see the writing on the wall at this point and know that this Mm -hmm. is not going to end well for Maggie Doyle. And this is probably going to be the end of the road for her. So. Mm. At least she's not limping to the finish line. She's actually. Yeah, she's actually. Yeah, she's at least getting something to do on the way out the door, which I think I, I, I think I said that at the time when she joined the cast that I recalled that just as her character was getting interesting, that's when she disappears. And that's kind of what's happening here is that after a season and a half of pretty much kind of drifting in the wind, we finally are getting something nice for Maggie Doyle. I mean, not nice in, you know, in context, but just anything of substance to do. And pretty soon she's going to be gone. So, um, we go from there, uh, back to joy is concerned about, uh, if she should give Ricky the booster or not, uh, Doug says that he should that she should just do it because it doesn't matter one way or the other. Uh, he's uh, of the opinion. I, mean, I should point out too that Joy's not actually there while they're having this conversation. This is the conversation between Doug and Carol uh, about Joy and Ricky. Uh, but he says that she should just do it because it doesn't matter one way or the other. Uh, kid doesn't have much time left anyway. Uh, and Carol says that they should go over uh, to support her. Uh, Doug kind of puts up a little bit of a fight where he's like he doesn't think it'll do anything it'll do any good for them to go watch her son die 
uh, to which Carol replies that she's going to go by herself, which I found interesting that, that they did it this way. I, I almost would have thought it would have been the reverse. Like, I almost would have thought that yeah, Doug right? would be the one that would really want to see this through to the end and that Carol would be like, is that really going to be the best? Like, we're trying to have a kid here, man. Like, is this really the best thing to to do? And he'd be like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to go anyway. It just was a, it, it, an interesting narrative choice. Um, so we will circle back and see what happens with these two uh, to close out the episode. Uh, we go from there to see Mobilage's wife has come down to check on him, who, if you'll recall, also um, – works in the hospital she works in the cafeteria um she uh his wife kubi is played by actress akasua busha who appeared in stuff like the color purple and tears of the sun and she's making her first of four appearances here uh and mobilage tells her that mark gave him some pain meds for his back and took good care of him it's a very sweet moment here like i i again really love the chemistry between mobilage and mark very very good all right, and let's uh, go to our last audio clip where uh, Carrie's meeting Paul Heyman over at Doc's. Just trying to join ECW. Uh, you're the only man sitting alone, so I'm hoping you're Sam Broder. Right? Dr. Weaver, nice to meet you. Call me Carrie. My office tells me that you've made three or four appointments before and always canceled them at the last uh, minute. I think I was the dentist. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. It's pretty common. Making the decision to track down your birth parents is not something you should do lightly. I've done that whole internet thing. Well, most people start there. But I do this for a living. My company handled several hundred adoption cases last year. Sounds like a good living. <laughs> it's going to need your full name, date of birth, place of birth, and the names of your adoptive parents. It truly begins. Also another good storyline I like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. from Carrie. Yeah. Excellent, excellent storyline. And our uh our man with our silly ponytail here, Sam Broder, is played by actor Ray Porter, who appeared in stuff like Zack Snyder's Justice League, Almost Famous, and The Runaways, and he's making his first out of three appearances and uh, Liz- Lizzie, I-, I will save you the Google. He played Dark Side in Justice oh, League. Oh shit. Damn. Okay. So Cool. I don't know if his stupid ponytail made an appearance or not, but uh, did not. No, it's he's the dark side's the CG character. They could have CG'd in the uh, they they CG'd out uh, Superman's mustache. They could have CG'd in his stupid ponytail. So here's an important question: uh, which which of the three would Carrie go to? ECW, WCW, or WWE? All right, we're into the niche content here. All yep. right, what happens? Not next? really. Let's. I know. I was like, let's not really go into that rabbit hole. That's gonna be that's gonna be me talking to myself on the lounge for three hours about different uh, roster placements. Um, Anspaugh and Robert are talking after a surgery, and Anspaugh is complaining about the interim chief issue. Romano offers to be interim chief, acting chief in his words, and uh, Anspaugh's like, call it whatever the fuck you want, as long as you help. I don't care. Uh, and Anspa says they'll still be searching, but uh, Romano can act as chief in the meantime, mm. and he will start tomorrow. They do it with a handshake deal. This is like when fucking Palpatine took over the Senate. Like, this is, this is <laughs> the bad guy is now in charge of everything, and I hate it. I'm so ready. I am so ready for just, we're taking it to the next level. Like, you know how when I said I was excited about Romano showing up? Just, now yeah, we're, we're here. We're escalating. Yep, uh, Carol and Joy are sitting at Joy's place, um, just, you know, winding down the evening, taking care of Ricky, and all of a sudden, Doug shows up, and he comes in, and Carol gives him a really long hug, and then they go to be with Joy and Ricky, and he injects something into the saline bag, presumably more Dilaudid, which I don't know why he would inject it if the thing has a booster shot. Well, that, that I think I think me. that was the booster shot. Like I think I think what but, I think the the thing was is that the machine works on a system and then they also get mm-hmm. a booster shot. Okay, got it. it. And she was afraid to yeah. do it. Got it. Okay. Um, and Carol and Doug just sit there while Joy lays with Ricky, and the episode fades out. I'm pretty sure that the whole, the thing is just hooked up to an IV. Mm-hmm. And he's getting fluids, and then he's also, like, it gives, like, it's not a booster shot. It no, just no, says no, no, it gives no, no. a booster every two hours. Yeah, a booster bolus. The machine right. does. Yeah. So, I don't think it's actual. I don't So, who the fuck knows where he's mixing into the saline bag, but Whew. maybe some anti Medi- Medical listeners who understand this better than we do, help. Yeah. Bleak ending there. 
Very, very yeah. bleak way to end. But a solid episode. Yeah. Oh, excellent episode. There's a there's a lot to love here. I love Mark and Mobilage. I love, um, even though it's the even though like the storyline is like uh, but like it's acted well with Romano mm-hmm. and Carrie and Corday and everyone involved with that. That's excellent. Just Carter's whatever. Yeah, Carter's really the only thing in here that I think is fluff, and I think I could have done without i mean it's not that it's bad yeah. it's it, it's it's not like the the uh the fat jokes from last week or two weeks ago yeah. or whatever it was i don't hate it on substance or anything like that it just seems kind of pointless um yeah. but we don't cut out the dogs we love yeah, the no, dogs keep the yes. dogs the do- and, and it's weird that the dogs works work, work so well in a, an episode like this like they work better than they have any right to um so yeah no i I think easily uh, eight or a nine out of 10 for me, like sets, yeah, sets the eight. table perfectly for what's to come over the next two episodes. The, the, the big two parter that's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to new with my new and improved uh, rating system. This one is actually <laughs> going to get an 8.5. Nice. Go. All right. Well, what the listeners have to say about it. Looks like they had quite a lot to say. So let's see how I do on this cold read today, everybody. <laughs> Um, KDH says, I want to start by saying the part with Malik, Carol, and the dogs was my absolute favorite thing. I believe that Romano blackmailing Lizzie about the harassment could be considered retaliation. Isn't that illegal? I'm kind of disappointed about the arc with the med student and the Hodgkin's disease did not go anywhere. Finally, I believe this is the episode that officially slaps us in the face about Doug's undoing. Great episode. Steve A. says, The start of probably the most satisfying exit arc of any main character from the show. Uh, Top-notch performances and all... I think it's supposed to be all around. Top-notch performances. Yeah, top-notch performances all around and a reminder why seasons one through five was the best the show will ever be. We can politely disagree (laughs) on that, Steve, and that's okay. You can politely disagree Uh, on that. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm... but um, I, I do, I do agree with the the first half of his uh, statement there for yes. sure that I think it is the most satisfying exit of any main character, and I think yes. a big part of that is because they don't really step on it. They had a tendency right. in later seasons to really step on exits, uh, a episode or two after, and this one they just mm-hmm. let it fucking happen. They let it breathe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kathy A says twinkles. Also, while I can't deny that Doug the White Knight is a thing, in this situation, it seems like he tries to do things the right way, only to be repeatedly thwarted. The genetics guy that who, for lack of a better term, prefers Ricky die in the hospital. Joy, who wants him at home. Mark refusing, rightfully considering Doug's recent actions, to prescribe the medication. And Carol's guilt trip, and let's not forget she aided and abetted by obtaining the PCA machine. I wish this wasn't leading up to his questionable decision in the next episode, but I can see how he got there. Andrea B. says, Okay, did anybody else yell, We have twinkles in the beginning. The subject of breast cancer and a mastectomy will come up again in later seasons, but I do like how Elizabeth and Lucy try and get Benton to understand from a woman's point of view. Franner W. says, Me. Pretty sure that, th- pretty sure that is more white knight than anyone can possibly be capable of. Doug Ross, hold my beer. <laughs> uh, so sad we're not going to get to like talk about Doug that much more after a couple episodes. Like we only have two regular episodes left of them, and obviously when we do our, our retrospective, but like we've spent a solid like two plus years now just gushing over Cludy and, and Doug, and in a no more chuckles. A couple of weeks, we're going to be out of chuckles. We're going to be out of you know little Cludy and Mark moments. Like it's going to be it's going to be weird. I don't like it, but it's two fantastic episodes, though, coming to easily my two favorite of the... I, can you call it one? Because since it's a two-parter, can you call it one we episode? We will cross that or? bridge when we get to the wrap-up. <laughs> All right. We'll talk later. Uh, but for now, we're going to say thank you very much for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. Uh, and this show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash the tone podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month... You can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 20 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives in the moment, movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and the flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. 
and we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u.el. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Laura, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter, ranting about all sorts of cozy games like the new Animal Crossing content, Cozy Grove, and anything else that sparks joy and allows me to ignore my problems on my personal Twitter at Lobob92345. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter uh, talking about my problems. <laughs> A.K.A. me. It's my gallbladder and my switch breaking. Uh, but you can find me t- on Twitter. I'm at Random Gamer. That's JM3R, as well as on the Popular Quartz YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect 2. New episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>